And today's episode of Building Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we really do try to talk about ABC, but we just can't stop talking about Smokey Robinson. We discuss a song and try to understand what it means when a backdoor rings. And finally, Bill doesn't hear violence anymore. You're listening to our take on ABC's When Smokey Sings. Frank, I've begun the podcast this way before, but I'm still going to do this. There are certain songs that our podcast just seems tailor-made for. Absolutely. And this is one of them. Absolutely. So we are doing today... I'm just going to go... I'm going to get straight to it, Frank. Absolutely. (laughs) ABC's When Smokey Sings. This song has all the elements that describe what I feel a guilt-free pleasure is. It's over the top. It belongs in a space in history, and it is totally irresistible, even if there are some moments while you're listening to it where you feel maybe you shouldn't like it as much as you do. There is a one-word answer that I have in affirmation that starts with an A, and that is... Absolutely. No. Oh. Accurate. You are 100% accurate. When smoky Okay, well, here's where I was 100% inaccurate. I never could understand what was being said in this song. Okay. <laughs> so I just checked on my phone the website kissthisguy.com. Where, yeah, yeah, with the misheard lyrics. Yeah, the misheard lyrics, because, of course, Kiss This Guy comes from Purple Haze. Yeah. <laughs> so they heard the same thing I heard. So I'm just going to state it. I thought that when we got to the chorus, Martin Fry sang... When Smokey sings, I fear violence, or I hear violence, yeah, depending on I where it was. Heard. And then, it, I don't know, when I first heard this, I was probably 10 years old or 11 years old. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't think that's an appropriate thing to say, <laughs> right? It's like, is he saying that he's like, that Smokey Robinson songs causes violence? Is it is it like a racism thing? Or is it describing Detroit in certain ways? What is going on? And why like are we singing along? I 10 or 11, you had those distinct thoughts. Detroit's getting a bad name. Like, uh, Motown is not violent. I That's, watched uh, after school specials, Frank. I, I had a heart for this stuff. And I was thinking, come on. Like, I, I don't think this is true. When I listen to Smokey Robinson, I never hear violence. No. There's no violence in his songs. He's a crooner, man. Yeah. So if you're going to hear something, you're going to hear those horns. But I guess yeah. that might just sound better to Martin Fry when he wrote it. Yeah. I hear smooth, dulcet tones. That's what I hear. That's right. Okay. Well, let's jump uh, into the history of ABC. ABC, which is not another bad creation. Right. I think a very bad idea for a band name because you could google it of course google didn't exist then but if you type in abc you're not going to find the band but you heard the reason why no it's really kind of lame but abc chose their name because the first three letters of the alphabet are known world over 
and they want it to be known world over. Also means that now they're competing with every other ABC. Yeah, like there. ABC Plumbing or something like that. Or the song by the Jackson 5, which yeah. you don't want to go up against. Or the alphabet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, all right, that's how they got the band name. Now, Martin Fry, do you have in front of you the year he was born? Just so I can get the get my time frame right. Born in 1958. Okay, 1958. So he talked about growing up in the 70s. When he was 15, he would sneak into clubs. Yeah. He talked about seeing all the different types of people in these clubs. Mm-hmm. And I guess in England, you had some very... There was an eclectic mix. Yeah. He talked about like skinheads yeah. being and punks at these clubs yeah. and everything. So I'm trying to guess because he said 15. I'm like, 73? Well, that seems early. But either way, he's in these clubs and he said whenever they played Motown, everyone danced. No yeah. matter whether they were part of whatever faction. Yeah, exactly. And so it brought people together. And they didn't get violent. I added that part. Well, you would assume that they didn't if Smokey was singing. That's right. That's you right. don't hear violence. Now, Martin Fry's real sort of beginnings in the music scene were as a zine writer. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. he was like a music journalist, but music journalist as a teenager would be writing zines. Kind Three. of like what we tried to do with the school paper. Yeah, uh, it was really coming together for a while there. Yeah. I had big plans. Yeah, You always did the movie reviews, I remember that. I did. I, I should have really branched out to more like human interest stories, but, uh, you know, or at least talk about pop music. Yeah. Well, eventually you get there. And that's what we're here for. And that's what we're doing here today. That's right. So he was a zine writer. So he, it was a way to get into shows for free and to, to meet the bands and interview them. Okay, cool. And he ended up meeting a band called Vice Versa. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and he joined them, right? Yeah, they just offered him a place in the band, <laughs> which is, I guess, a very late 70s Sheffield thing, because this is in Sheffield. Yeah. Okay. Sheffield is not a huge city. But it has some serious pedigree for the musical acts who came out of it. Yeah, that's right. Do you know some of those acts? No, but I'm agreeing with you. I know we've talked about a couple of them. Didn't uh, Rick Astley come into Sheffield? No. Mm, No, I don't think so, but I got here. Don't think or don't know. I'd like you to be a little more accurate here, Bill. (laughs) I'm not sure about Rick Astley there, but let me read what your favorite website gave me about acts coming to Sheffield. Wikipedia? That's right. You ready? I'm just going to read from Wikipedia here. Okay. A number of major music acts, including Joe Cocker, Ace... He's English? <laughs> That's like, what did you think he was? I don't know. I thought it was... I thought... I think everyone's American until I hear them talk. Well, there's that voice, right? He's got the blues thing. But yeah. I guess it's a British blues thing, yeah. right? You think about all the... The blues... Like the blue-eyed soul stuff that came... Like, yeah. I mean, which Rick Astley would have been a part of. Yeah, you keep wanting to talk about Rick Astley. Well, can we talk about yeah, Rick Astley a little bit more? Shoot. Ace, how long has this been going on? Paul Carrick, sort of Ace, right? Okay. We I... also did Tempted by uh, Squeeze. Squeeze. Oh, Squeeze, yeah, yeah, yeah. Living Years, I oh, think. Yeah, yeah. Mike the Mechanics, okay. or one of the Mike yeah, the yeah. Mechanics. So we're going to get to him at some point. Oh, absolutely. Def Leppard. Oh, yeah, that's who we talked about recently. <laughs> Arctic Monkeys. Okay, yeah. Rolo Tomasi, LA Confidential. Yeah. Remember they talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of strange. Uh, Pulp also comes from there. Oh, shoot. Yeah. And then uh, another band, I think you might know them, called The Human League. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Another one called The Thompson Twins. Oh, geez. This is pretty crazy. There's a lot of big acts from the 80s that came out of there. Yeah. Which, and I read on wikipedia that abc coming from england was part of this second british invasion that's what right. they called it in the yeah. early 80s so yeah. that's 
probably all stemming from there. Yeah, and Human League is one of the big ones to kind of make it out of there. And and yeah. Martin Fry talked about how when you're living in towns like this in North England, you start thinking that only one of you can make it out. But as I read through this list, I'm like, what are you talking about? Everybody made Everyone it Everyone seems to make it out. So yeah. um, it was a scene. And so uh, vice versa was more of a, I don't want to say industrial but more, because uh, that's not, that wouldn't work because that's later. But they're more of experimental. Oh, okay. Synthy type of thing. Yeah. Well, vice versa is playing. I'm getting, we're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> they find this is going to be a short episode. Yeah, yeah very short episode. They find out that Martin Fry can sing mm-hmm. and can sing really well. He has pipes. He does. So they said, why don't we get him to be the songwriter and the lead singer? Yeah. And so then he kind of took control. And they renamed themselves ABC. After the famous alphabet. That's right. And now you have your big four. You have... Mark White, the guitar player. Yep. Steven Singleton, who... Saxophone. Saxophone. Martin Fry, obviously, singer, songwriter. Did he play guitar? I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. Synth. No. I bet he played keys somewhere. Yeah. And then David Robinson. David Robinson. Right. And he only played... On Basketball the first... for the Spurs. <laughs> no, that drummer only played on the first album, but it's iconic, right? Lexicon of Love? Yes. And then he left, ended up doing other things, and then he drummed with like Rod Stewart for like 20 years at least. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, and the sax player, he lasted two albums or three albums? It looks like he lasted until 84. Okay, so he didn't last too long either. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we get to when Smokey sings, we just have the two of them left. Yeah, and that's in 87. Right. So it's Mark White and Martin Fry at that point. Have you listened to much of Lexicon of Love? No, none of it. Insanely good. They, do you remember the song, The Look of Love? You heard The Look of Love? I will now. okay yeah that song's crazy good and that was their second single i think but it is like to me the iconic abc single Mm -hmm. that album that's so big that they would tour they were the main act they just start like their first album it looked like at least from the clips i was seeing online it was crazy they did really really well and then the next album was a bit of a departure and it sounds like uh the record company might not have been as thrilled with that and then they did another album Yeah, yeah the next one was beauty stab yeah and then how to be a zillionaire yeah apparently that was more well received how to be a zillionaire yeah well who doesn't want to be a zillionaire oh i want to be one i could actually i could be a thousandaire and be happy at this point (laughs) in my life but uh in between zillionaire and this song alphabet alphabet city right i don't i didn't want to call it alphabet city because that's a prince song yeah yeah martin fry got sick he got hodgkin's uh lymphoma right i mean i think he's like 20 some odd years old 26 27 and so that's a pr- pretty terrifying thing to, oh, absolutely and he said he was kind of amazed at the people who stuck by him and one was julie his girlfriend who later became his wife yeah and they're still married mm-hmm. and he said mark white also stuck by him the guitarist so i mean everything has to stop while he's in treatment and trying to get there yeah and he uh listened to a lot of music while he was sick one of the major people he listened to can you guess, Frank? The Temptations. Smokey Robinson. Oh. <laughs> Good try. I don't know how you missed it. Oh, because Smokey Robinson wrote My Girl. 
Do you know Smokey Robinson wrote My Girl, Yeah, Frank? yeah, yeah. Do you know he also wrote My Guy? Did he? Yeah. I mean, he wrote a lot of songs. That's crazy. Yeah. I had no idea he did My Guy. No, yeah. oh, shoot. That's and he, awesome. At one point, he was like vice president of Motown Records. Then he went into a solo career. But it's hard not to talk a lot about Smokey Robinson. Well, the song's about him. Right? Yeah. So we, you kind of have to. He, they sing about him. So right. why can't we talk about him? Well, Smokey Robinson begins in his early 20s in a band called The Miracles, which are comprised of a bunch of his friends. And then one of them ends up going off to war. And then his sister joins a band who ends up becoming Smokey Robinson's wife. There's a whole bunch of things I was kind of reading through. Oh, okay. But you can kind of go through their songs. I didn't realize how many of them were incredible. Yeah. And his voice oh, is... Oh, he has a fantastic yeah. voice. Because I'm used to shop around. Yeah. But ooh, baby, baby. I yeah. think that might be the one where like, holy cow, this is a voice. Yeah. And then you get to Track of My Tears. But that only sets things up for the big one yeah. for, I think, all of us. Yeah, Tears of a Clown. Which is released in 67, but then gets another kind of re-release and partial re-recording and becomes a hit in the early 70s. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a hit in the 70s. Yeah, I thought it was like a later song, yeah. a later hit for him. What a crazy song. Yeah. And that song is kind of the template song for this sound. They're kind of taking Tears of a Clown. They take the bass line from That's Tears right. of a Clown, right? And then make it into this. When you started the podcast, you're absolutely right. This has a very particular place. And that place is firmly set in 1987. It has the feeling, kind of, of Tears of a Clown, which Stevie Wonder wrote the music for, and then Smokey Robinson did the lyrics. Did the this lyrics. is crazy. Okay. This is all crazy. The pools that he swam in were amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it is crazy. It is crazy, but it's also, like, coming back to this song, it has that hyper-excessiveness. I think yes. I want to put both those words. Yeah. It's hyper and it's over-excess. Yeah. In excess, in excess possibly. Yeah. And... It just feels so crazy to me. And yeah. so when you watch it, it's exhausting. It's yeah. exhausting oh, listening yeah, to yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. And it's at the same time music made for our parents. Because <laughs> I don't know of any parent who didn't love this song. So if you're a kid, for us, we were 10 years old when this yeah. came out. When it played, my parents thought this was a great song. Well, your parents and my parents, they probably grew up listening to Smokey yeah. Robinson too, as uh, you. This. Do you think they like this one? Or Old Time Rock and Roll Better. Oh, that's another one written specifically. <laughs> or Harder Rock and Roll yeah. by Huey Lewis. <laughs> or or what is a Billy Joel song about still rock and roll to me? Still rock and roll, There's yeah. all these songs that just called back to the 50s and the earlier era. Yeah. But this one called back to an earlier era, but it was so 80s. It wasn't mm-hmm. even trying. It was just, I don't know, maybe it was special as a, in terms of a British form of thinking. Go anyway. So we are up to Smokey Sings. They're going to record this. They find a co-writer in a very important music artist in American history. I'm really setting this up. Do you know who the other co-writer is on this song? So according to the Wikipedia page, it was just Martin Fry and Mark White. Really? Yeah. The songwriters? Yeah. Who's the producer? The producer is Bernard Edwards. Okay. Now, I thought Bernard Edwards was also a co-writer. Maybe I'm wrong. Bernard Edwards was in a band called... Chic. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, of course, know Nile Rogers. Rogers? Rogers, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, sorry, Rogers. Really? 
Well, it's R O D G E R S. Rogers. That's Rogers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's Niles. Who N- of course? Ni- Nile. <laughs> Nile. Nile. Only one of them. Only okay. one. Yeah. And he plays a. But there's big two role. Rodigers. There's two Rodigers. Oh my gosh! Where this is this is just bombing out. But there's Bernard, and all I can think is Bernard Longer, the golfer. But what's his name, Bernard? Oh, it's, no, the, on on your page there. Oh, Bernard Edwards. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, we're gonna get together here. Okay, Bernard Edwards, who pl- played on the song, of course, "La Freak Say Chic," like which is like iconic. And then he also produced some songs here. Let me just uh, give you some names here. Another one bites the dust by a band Who's called. That? Oh. Uh, Freddie Mercury's band, Queen. They had a movie on it. Oh. Okay. Never heard of them. Never heard of the Sugar Hill Gang? Oh, serious? Yeah. So he's kind of important. Yeah, absolutely. So they they picked him knowing he had this pedigree. And when he was there, they said they brought their A game. Like, they didn't just go ABC. They went full ABC. They went all caps. You're right. All caps. That's the way to put it. They were little letters until Bernard... Edwards. Edwards came along, who we know so much about. Yes. But it is actually a tragic story. Bernard, he like died in Japan when he was playing with Nile Rogers. There's a whole long... Did he great die history. on stage or... No, he was sick on stage, but he ended up dying oh, afterwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's he was blacking guy. out while he was playing. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, he is a uh, kind of an unsung hero of music. Both yeah. of them. Like, yeah. I think people are recognizing it now. Maybe the Hall of Fame should recognize it. What? Niall Rogers and Bernard Edwards, they're not in the Hall I don't Hall think of they are. Well, we'll induct them into the guilt-free Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, they're in. There's so many plaques on our walls of musicians who will never, ever be here. All right, so we got that. We got the song. Yeah. Surprisingly to Martin Fry, not to me, is that the record company was all in when they heard this. If I was a record exec in the 80s and I heard this song, I wouldn't be thinking about whether to take a chance on it i'd be thinking this is the most now song ever yeah and i'm sure they were thinking this would be a bigger hit than it was but it went to number five in the states I number think. five i believe yeah and eight in the uk it didn't reach higher yeah u.s it went to number five 11 in the uk number two in canada oh good i thought it was big here because we heard it all the time yeah yeah all right, you want to know what was above it in the billboard yeah let's hear it so above when smokey sings here i go again White Snake. That was number one? Four. Number four. Okay. La Bamba, Los Lobos. That might have been a number one at some point. Yeah. Because it was going down. Didn't we almost have it all, Whitney Houston, which was going to be up to number yeah. one soon. And then I Can't Stop Loving You by Michael Jackson. Which I'm not a big fan of that song. I don't know. There's Michael Jackson number ones. I'm like, I don't yeah. know. That was from Bad. Yeah. Uh, Michael, ja- at that point, I think Michael Jackson, if he just released anything, it was going to number yeah. one at the time. Bad is good. It's not bad. No. But it's not great. But it's not great. Yeah. Yeah. But also on that top 10 at the same time was Smokey Robinson, who was having a resurgence in he the was. late 80s. He was. And at one point, they were right near each other. Like, they, I think one was number eight and one was number 10. Because he reached number 10 with, um, do you remember the song? One Heartbeat. Oh, yeah. One Heartbeat. Do you remember yep. that song? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Can yeah. Can I play for you right now? Yeah. Because I've been wanting to play it for us all week. Because I want to figure out which Smokey Robinson song we're going to be featuring from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Take it one heartbeat at a time. 
That song is so incredible. Now tell me, when you heard One Heartbeat, did you feel like a bird in flight on a hot, sweet night? Oh, absolutely. That sax in One Heartbeat? Yeah. Yeah. That took me to places. What a crazy voice. He's like in oh, his 40s. Yeah. Basically, he's our age. Yeah. And so I guess we're, we're actually kind of hitting new levels of success in our own lives, and he was too. Yeah. Well, that's another thing we have in common with Mediocrity him. is success, right? Yeah, but he wasn't. No, but I'm talking about us. Oh, we are? No. A middle management bill. That's mediocrity. <laughs> but you're a high-level podcaster. Oh, that, oh, okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about our job jobs. Yeah, no, okay. I'm talking about our, <laughs> our passion passions. Yeah. I know we're going to get to this song at some point, but we got to talk Smokey Robinson some more. Kind of have to, yeah. There's a Dutch show where they apparently met yes. for the first time. Yeah. We're going to include that in our show notes. If someone could just click on that in our show notes, we really yeah. someone like to know. email us, send us a message on Instagram or the Facebook, and let us know that Bill's work in our show notes is worth it. That people read and people click and people like my mixtape more than his. Okay. All right. So uh, in the Dutch show, he sings a different song. So I guess depending on when the song was hitting up big, there's a different single from the album. Yeah, Just to See Her, right? Yes, Just to See Her. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so good, too. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> I think that even charted higher than One Heartbeat. Yeah, it got to number eight. And then the other song from the 80s, which is like maybe seven years earlier, was Being With You. It might have been five years or seven years earlier, but Being With You is insane. I don't care if they start to avoid me. Being With You was written for somebody else. Oh, yeah? The record company heard the demo, like, we have to use this. Who was it written for? I think it was Kim Carnes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And um, they just said, we have to put his voice on. And this is when Smokey Robinson's kind of passe. Yeah. Kind of like how we talked about Johnny Rivers. Yeah, but yeah, But Smokey yeah. Robinson, those killer green eyes. He says it's from his French great-grandmother or something. Wait a second, Bill. Are you about to tell me more about Smokey Robinson as opposed to the band ABC and the song Smokey Sings? I'm going to stop myself. Either way, on this Dutch show... We I have just, to talk about this Dutch show. Though. Okay, yeah. So on the Dutch show, they're brought together. Yeah. But they met... Backstage. Backstage. First. So this whole thing about them being up there together, meeting for the first time, is it's a lie. Yeah. It is one of the most awkward interactions... Between Martin oh, yeah. Fry and Smokey Robinson. Uh, this is Martin Fry of ABC. Thank you so much for that song. That's really great. I really enjoyed that. Do you have a copy of that record I could have? I'd uh, be honored to give you a copy. Yeah, I hope you don't mind a tribute from ABC oh. to you and your work through the years to the present day. Well, I'm very honored. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Martin Fry, he seemed a little bit starstruck. And Smokey Robinson was just, he's just... Smokey, I guess, right? Oh, man. But he, I mean, he's dressed a certain way. To me, Smokey Rounds is dressed so super cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Martin Fry, to me, is dressed like a banker or somebody who's, like, going to sell you a vacuum. Yeah. That's unfair <laughs> because Martin Fry said, no, the way I dressed was, like, really new back then. Okay. So we talked about this. 
Smokey Robinson also kind of looked, uh, is it nonplussed? Yeah. I think he, he was did. more impressed with them later when they reached higher spots in the charts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it was just like, man, I'm Smokey Robinson. Like, who's this Martin Fry guy? Yeah. Martin Fry said he was really kind to them backstage because yeah. they didn't know each other at all. Yeah. And then they met again later. He was really, really nice and gave them a handwritten note, each of them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, yeah. And talked about how there's never in history been a song. That's a tribute to a singer who's also on the charts at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, Something yeah. like so that. The, yeah, there is a bit of a like historical moment there, yeah. right? It so. also sounds like one of those ridiculous football stats when you yeah. watch a show. Like, who even cares about that stat? How'd you yeah. come up with it? And why am I still listening? That's what a lot of our listeners are thinking right now. Because they've been waiting for us to finally get to the song. <laughs> Here we go. Let's talk about the song. So obviously the song is written because of Smokey Robinson, but there was an interview that I saw with Martin Fry where he said Smokey Robinson was the main inspiration, but he talked about basically Motown being this yeah driving force behind the reason for this song. Yeah, and that makes sense because sometimes there's just a lyric that fits and you're going to yes. go with it. Yeah, exactly. So the opening notes of the song, let me see if I get this right. Da-na-na-na, da-na-na-na. Yes. And dun-dun-dun. It starts really smooth and yeah. soft. 14 seconds, baby. Yeah. And then... It hits with that, I guess, those keys and the drums and everything sort of hits you. And that is the craziest ooze where there's no way someone actually sounds like that. They must have EQ'd the daylights out of whatever's going in there. Yeah. I don't know who it is who does the ooh ooh. It might not be those people in the video. It most likely is not. I'm guessing it's either Bernard, Martin, or Mark. Yeah. Ooh ooh. Yeah. (laughs) And it... It plays a part through the entire song, but yeah. it is bonkers. Like you said, this is a song of excess. It is. And it's almost certain they just have that the two oohs there and they just keep splicing it in wherever they need to. But when you're 10 years old, this is like totally perfect. Oh, absolutely. My yeah. goodness. And then that goes till about 30 seconds of just like that overly excessive I mean, I don't think it's overly excessive. Like, oh, this is Bill and Frank's Guilty Pleasures. <laughs> this is just, just nothing, right. We, we love excess. Yeah. But that intro, yeah. The keys, the saxophone, the drums, the guitar, everything just... It's a wave that hits you. That's a great way of putting it. And it feels like on Up Prune's Landing when you get hit by a wave you didn't expect. Yeah. And you're barely going to survive it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there's people who didn't make it in that wave pool. You always <laughs> heard stories planet. about it. Yeah, they always threatened me. Like, you got to be ready because someone didn't make it at the yeah. wave pool. Oh, they talk about people getting sucked in. Yeah. Under, like with the Yeah, the yeah. They got st- and yeah. And, and yeah. so there'd be stories about it. And I was never sure if it was true. Or people who never made it out of the haunted house. Yes, yeah. That's what they told us when we were in the haunted house. Almost like they were trying to make us more scared. Yeah. Huh. First one. First one. Debonair lullabies. Let's just talk about... Debonair? 
well, yeah, the word debonair, yeah. but the way that Martin Fry sings this. Well, this, the way Martin Fry sings smooth. everything. Smooth. Not only smooth, when you're a kid listening to this, I have no idea what he's saying for most of the time, which feels like a very 80s way to sing. Yeah. Which is like, make sure they don't actually know what you're saying. Yeah. So our friend Chris Newkirk from the Julies talked about songwriting where you don't make it obvious what you're singing about. But I feel like the 80s is don't make it obvious and also don't make whatever you're saying obvious. So yeah. then you could start fearing violence yeah, or whatever when it, you hear a good yeah. pop song. My impression of this when I was 10, 11, when the song came out, and also my impression of this as a 46-year-old listening to it, I hear Martin Fry sing debonair lullabies and melodies revealed. The way that he sings it and the words that he's singing, I assume that he's a billionaire. Right. Debonair. Debonair lullaby. Like he's just, (laughs) he just seems rich. It might be the richness of his voice, or it might be Reaganomics. It could be. I mean, even if he's in Thatchernomics. Yeah. So, debonair means confident, stylish, and charming. Yeah, smoky. Yeah, totally. So, debonair lullabies and melodies revealed. Okay. So, the, the lullabies are revealed as debonair? I guess. I mean, I'm trying too hard. Yeah. Okay. I really don't know if there's a lot to analyze in these lyrics, other than it's just a straight-up fanboying of Smokey Robinson. But it probably would be helpful to our listeners to actually know what he said. Yes, true, yeah. Because I had no idea. In deep despair on lonely nights, he knows just how you feel. Frank, the he is Smokey Robinson. Right. Okay, I just want you to make sure you know that. The slyest rhymes, the sharpest suits... And Miracles Made Real. Frank, Smokey Robinson had a band called The Miracles. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you mansplaining this all to me. <laughs> that actually was the part that I all understood when I was a kid. Like, yeah. I could understand this, but everything else... But did you understand that he was part of the Smokey Robinson and The Miracles? No, not at all. Not at all, no. In deep despair on lonely nights He knows just how you feel The slyest And then we get that pre-chorus that has that beautiful sort of keys kind of taking you in. Mm -hmm. Like a bird in flight on a hot, sweet night. You know you're right just to hold her tight. Yeah. He soothes it right, makes it out of sight, and everything's good in the world tonight. Like a bird in flight on a hot, sweet night. You know you're right just to hold her tight. He soothes it right. Makes it out of sight. And everything's good in the world tonight. I love that oh, line. Thank goodness. Because he holds on to the and everything's good in the world tonight. His enunciation is incredible. Yes. I complain about not knowing what he's saying, but it's also because he can enunciate in ways that yes. just make it so musical and fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That line sounds like it should be from like a Disney musical to me. Oh, yeah. That's a great call. Okay, so here's the chorus. Now we actually get to hear what he actually meant to say. Yeah. When Smokey sings, I hear violence. Yes. When Smokey sings, I forget everything. As she's packing her things, as she's spreading her wings, 
Now this part, there's no way I understood this. Either what he was saying or what it meant. The front door might slam, but the back door, it rings. You got a doorbell at your back door, Frank? No. And Smokey sings, he sings. So I'm wondering if this is one of those, when God closes a door, he opens a window kind of moments. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more of the Led Zeppelin backdoor man thing. But sure, you could go Christian rock on it. Well, there's stuff to talk about. Besides it not being about violence, he hears violence, which Mm -hmm. to him might mean the most purest sound, I guess, like classical music. And when Smokey sings, he forgets everything. When Smokey sings, I forget everything. Now, it is interesting because he's gone to first person from second person, I think, right? And so for him and what he's going through with uh, lymphoma... That might be something there. Oh, yeah, because he listened to, well, a lot of Motown Motown. and Smokey Robinson while he was going through his treatment. That's right. And then he moves to the woman. As she's packing her things, she's spreading her wings. So is this somebody who's leaving a guy who's no good for her? It sounds that way, but it also it's interesting that if he wrote this while he was going through his, his treatments and everything, it was his best girl, Julie Fry, who stayed with him. Right. So, so that's not her. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not okay, her. Yeah. Okay, okay. There's something about that line, the front door might slam, but the back door rings. is so yeah. strange to me. I thought she was packing up, but then there's... But I think she's, that she leaves and someone else just comes and fills in her spot. Oh, come on. Wait, I thought there's a man knocking on her back door. This is why I think it's the, you know, a door closes and a window opens yeah. kind of situation. And you know what? She leaves, but there's another opportunity for this individual when Smokey six and my general discomfort with talking about these matters makes me have to say well that sounds good enough to me frank (laughs) (laughs) so let's go to verse two which i feel like i never heard when it was on the radio i assume they just skipped this verse yeah i'm like i don't remember this i understood this song as nothing but chorus yeah elegance and eloquence for sale or rent or hire which is not how he sounds when he says it and again It sounds like it's being sung by a billionaire. Should I say yes and match his best, then I would be a liar. That is kind of confuses me. I know we say we wouldn't analyze it, but we can't help being who we No, exactly. You can't tell a bird not to fly. I need to pack my things and spread my wings, Frank. I gotta I gotta I gotta fly here. And so elegance and eloquence. Maybe this is about Martin Fry as a singer and I he can't match Smokey's best, right? Yeah. But he plays the music anyways, and so it's symphonies that soothe the rage when lovers' hearts catch fire. Now, you can understand me as a 10-year-old thinking that the rage has to do with the violence. Yeah. But this is lover's rage, which I didn't understand. A little bit more carnal. Yeah. I still don't understand it, but you know. Yeah. Should I say yes? I match his best. 
All right, then we head to pre-chorus, which we know, like a bird in flight and so on. And then we get to the chorus again. Yeah. But when the next chorus comes, I definitely heard, I fear violence. Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. That's, that's yeah. where I started yeah. to not have a clue what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And he has a way of saying when. That sounds like they're sliding his voice. When. Yeah. And that's so indicative to me of 1980s tunes where you're not sure how much is studio trickery. And, and how much is real? Yeah. Even though we live in a time of studio trickery. Where it's nothing but studio trickery. Yeah. We got to talk bridge time now. Yes. Because you and I grew up on the song, but we heard it on the radio every hour and a half. We did not have the album. We did no. not have the single because we can't get on our bikes and ride to the latest well, yeah, record store. Sam the Record Man or Sunrise Records or whatever yeah. was popular at the time. Yeah, that wasn't us. No. Because we didn't have money for that. No. I had money for candy and that's it. Yeah, I'm not spending it on this album. Yeah, no. So, when we were kids, we didn't hear this, but here's the bridge on every version you're going to get on Spotify. Would it be true to say, and then there's a moment of ding, 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 right? The, and you're kind of waiting for them to finish this line. Mm-hmm. But instead... Martin Fry says, Luther croons, which is Lex Luther, right? Close. No. I think it's supposed to resemble Luther Vandross. Oh, I think you're right. Sly is the original originator. So that's Sly and the Family Stone. That's right. James screams. James Brown. Yeah. Marvin was the only innovator. Marvin Gaye. Yeah. And as opposed to the original originator, Marvin's the only Innovator. innovator yeah and that's fair because marvin gay is the greatest oh inno- he's so fantastic and Smokey robinson apparently hung out with him every single day oh seriously like in the 70s he'd, he'd go over and he's played what's going on for him seriously yeah and, and Smokey robinson said what's going on is the greatest album ever yeah well it's he's it's not incorrect yeah that and that's album by corn you like so much and then uh but nothing can compare nothing can compare when Smokey sings That is the bridge on the album and maybe on the single, but no, not on the, the radio single. The, the radio single has, it's a massive sax breakdown. Yeah, because it goes like this. Would it be true to say, I need you so bad? Yes. I need you so bad. Again. I think it's this again or tonight. Yeah. I couldn't Or something. That. Something like that. And they say it again. And that's what I knew. And yeah. so when they say, would it be true to say? I'm like, I need you so bad, which sounds like... What it should be. But then when I read, uh, would it be true to say Luther Croon slides, whoever Sly is, James screams, Marvin's the only originator, and then Smokey's the one. Yeah. That fits. But I Need You So Bad also it works. works. Yeah. And it's also back to the first person move. And then there's this great sax solo, right, that is missing in the, the version that version. we get now on yeah. Apple Music and Spotify. Yeah. 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 But when you watch the video... And we'll talk about the video. Yeah, we got work to do. It is quite obvious that, and it's not Steven Singleton, because he's out of the band yeah. at this point. Yeah. Whoever that sax player is, has a very, very active sax life. 
you have been saving that all week. Oh, this, as soon as I saw that video again, just like, I need to use this line. Would it be true to say? Okay, question for you. Do you prefer the bridge from the album or the bridge from the one that you grew up with because you're a kid and it triggers all these memories for you? I kind of really like the one that I grew up with yeah. more. And it's the sax solo. It it's seems, really good. And maybe it's a familiarity thing, but it seems to fit better. I feel if they put the Luther Croons part in, it would work better if the sax solo was inputted in there. Yes. Make it a, make it a five-minute song. Yeah. What the heck? Exactly. All right. And then we get to the end. That feels kind of bridgy, though, because yes. it's not the same as a chorus, because no. it's kind of leading to the end. It's the same lyrics, but it's different musically. And it might be one of the best enders to me to an 80s song, because it's just building towards it. Like, you can't just end this. If you're on the radio, you just can't end it early, because sometimes on the radio, they would end songs early. But this yeah. one, you need to get you there. You need to get there, yeah. As she's Smokey's not just singing, and she's not just packing her things. She's throwing back her ring. When Smokey sings, he breaks up relationships? Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, because if she threw back the ring, that to me is a broken engagement. Right. And so is that something about Smokey has that ability to sort of destroy things? Unless what she did was break up an engagement with another guy to come back to the singer. Because Smokey sings? Because Smokey sings. Okay. All right. So maybe... That's where the violence comes from, because there's a fight between the old bow and the new one. Oh. Oh, man. Well, this is such a great transition. Yeah. (laughs) You just went to the Hallmark movie. This feels a bit like Bridget Jones' Diary when they had that awesome guy fight scene. Oh, yeah. In the fountain and everything. Making fun of guy fight scenes. Yeah. The only reason I watched Bridget Jones' Diary is the girl that I liked at the time really liked it, so I thought that i needed to watch all of them oh and i did oh, you watched in, all three of them yeah in like a two-day span oh my god like bridget jones diary was very good bridget jones's diaries is good yeah you know what's better pride and prejudice with the <laughs> real sir darcy the six and a half hour version yeah okay i also realized in retrospect that the girl that i liked really wasn't going to work out when she said that she really liked the Hugh Grant character, that she was attracted to his character. Oh, even not though it was, Darcy. Even though, yeah, even though he's, he's a complete dirtbag in the entire oh, thing. Oh, man, yeah. I'm sorry, Frank. Yeah. So this is back to my reading of the violence. Maybe we put it into the Hallmark movie. Yeah. But the violence is... Is it redemptive violence? Sorry, I know our pastor won't want us to say that. It's passionate violence. <laughs> this is a Hallmark movie, right, Frank? Yeah. Okay. But no, no, when I say passionate violence, it's the passions are rising. So, all right, 
Well, we have in your Hallmark movie that she's going to leave the man she's with because when she hears Smokey sings, she knows she's in the wrong relationship. Yeah. So she throws back the ring. Right. Right. So it's small town, New Hampshire. She's with her big city boyfriend, big city fiance. Her old beau or flame is in the small town. They come back to celebrate the engagement. Turns out Mr. Big City, not a good guy. Probably cheating on her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The front door might slam, but the back door rings. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So when she comes back to the town and and the old flame still holds a candle for her. See, because he's an old flame. Right, right. And candles are old timey. That's right. But they burn eternally. Yes. Don't they? Yeah. Like the bangle said. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, long story short, Smokey Robinson <laughs> shows up. This is not a short story. No, not <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. Smokey Robinson shows up. That's their song. And when Smokey sings, that's when the violence starts. Old Bo punches out the new guy because he's a bit of a jerk. He runs away. She remembers that she's been in love with this guy all along and they get together. She doesn't get together with Smokey Robinson. No. That makes it kind of fictional. It does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we got this together. All right. I like this. I like that we blew right through the analysis of the video as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, we need uh, to talk about the video. We do need to talk about the video. I think it's good we got the Hallmark movie out of the way. Yep. Back to the video. Into the video. Right. It opens with a strange scene to me that feels like it's out of the Pet Shop Boys, Always on My Mind. Do you remember that video? Yes. And they had that weird guy from Lethal Weapon 2? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was even weirder. In the, he was weird in Lethal Weapon yeah. 2. Diplomatic immunity, Frank. But yeah, that's not that's a Pet Shop Boys video. I'm sorry. Go back to this video. Back to this video. I have basically two notes written about the video. I know there's a lot to talk about. But the opening scene seems like a 1980s, which makes sense because it came out in 87, a 1980s thriller movie, which has nothing to do with anything of the actual video. It seems like someone was about to get murdered or something. Yeah, it was. And there's the woman who runs across the car. Yes. Who looks at them like there's something up. Yeah. Harbinger of doom. Yeah, exactly. The feel of this, and it goes on for a minute, almost a straight minute, mm-hmm. before we get into the ooh, ooh. And before the ooh, ooh, the guy who's kind of featured in the video, mm-hmm. is is he worshipping at a like a makeshift altar to Smokey Robinson? Yeah, like Robinson? a velvet, uh, velvet Smokey Robinson. Is it one of the worst pictures of Smokey Robinson? I thought it was sliced ever? alone. It was one of the worst pictures it I've ever seen. It's a bad picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a huge insult to Smokey Robinson. I think so, too. So that was weird. He's got incense burning around yeah. that picture, which less said about it, the better. The main focus of the video is just the band playing yeah. and dancing. Because you got the ooh-ooh yeah. women. The two backup singers yeah. who are singing and dancing. And they seem kind of disinterested when they yeah. say ooh-ooh. Yeah, but all the equipment and instruments seem... Just slightly too small for everybody there. <laughs> you, like, you see the yeah. microphone that Martin Fry is holding, and it's just tiny. I thought he was huge. I'm yeah. like, wow, his head's huge. Yeah. And then I realized that, that makes sense. Everything was too small. They were singing in Tiny Town. Yeah, the drum kit was just, and it's just a small kit with a, a couple of cymbals, a kick drum, and a snare. Even the saxophone. 
And he is working that saxophone. Again, very active sax life. It seems a little bit too small. The guitar that Mark White is playing seems just a little bit too small. Everything seems too small. It's Tiny Town. I don't catch any guitar in this song. No, it might be in there, but I don't hear it. He's playing. I'm like, well, I don't hear it. Yeah. And uh, they are giving it their all and hamming it up for the camera. There's this backstory between the woman whose head is kind of shaved. Yeah, she and, has a she has a very short haircut. Right, and then there's the the guy who's worshiping at the altar. Yeah, and they have zero chemistry. Oh, absolutely. Not. When they get together and they kind of kiss, but they don't kiss. It's like, of course they're not kissing. This is totally phony. There's no way these two are feeling anything. Mm-hmm. So when Smokey sings, these two people don't belong together at all. She yeah. needs to throw the ring back to him. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. brutal. But watching the band sing and dance together, that is so fun to watch. And they just go for it. And Martin Fry just gives everything with his giant hand and his tiny mic it's right and then his oversized suit yeah and like the haircut that to me is a dad haircut yeah which is the haircut i think i basically had through the early 90s <laughs> <laughs> so i uh i don't know i just combed to the side and just a normal haircut yeah. he, didn't, he just didn't seem like a pop star to me no no the other exactly. guy had a pop star haircut yeah he actually had a haircut that seemed to be pointing towards uh Astley-esque era, possibly. Great music video. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> the music. enough to say. Okay. As much as the tangent story makes no sense to the video, watching them have fun and dance and sing is... It's so good. All right. So, time to get to some categories, Frank. All right. Here's one we haven't talked about for a while until quite recently. Would Chris Newkirk like this song? I'm going to ask you this because I had my answer that I thought. Because you talked to Chris. I did. I talked to him this morning. Yeah. Uh, What do you think? Do you think he liked it? I'm going to say an emphatic yes. Okay. See, I was going to say an emphatic no. Like I thought that this was just too much for him, but that he would respond by telling me the better ABC song to listen to. I was wrong. He emphatically likes this song. Oh, seriously? Yeah. And he just responded by saying, let me read this for you here. He said, yes, I like a lot of ABC songs. So he was clearly all in. Yeah. And I then told him what I thought he would say. And then I didn't think he could like it because there's something about it that's too over the top. And he said, it's pretty cheesy, but even just that intro, man, which comes back during and everything is good in the world tonight pre-chorus. Ugh. He goes, even that double-time chorus, which I don't usually like, it's still on theme. And then I asked him if he liked Smokey Robinson, and then I sent him the latest Smokey Robinson album. Yeah, which he responded with just a bunch of question marks, right? The latest Smokey Robinson album, you need to look it up yourself. I feel uncomfortable saying the name of it. Yeah. We got you saying lovers, and I think we've gotten as far as we can. But the latest Smokey Robinson album just dispenses with any sense of innuendo. Yeah, yeah. So Chris Newkirk, for those who are listening uh, recently, Chris Newkirk is a good friend of ours from New Jersey. And we always know him as like kind of the great purveyor of taste. And we figured that if we choose a song that he likes, we have to question if it's actually a guilt-free pleasure. But we're changing our tune. I think Chris Newkirk and us might have the same taste in music. Well, Chris Newkirk was the one that introduced you and I to Michael Bolton and his music. (laughs) 
Chris Newkirk can't defend himself, can he? <laughs> so, hey, Chris, this one's for you. He sees it right, makes it out of sight, and everything's good in the world tonight. Frank, do you think Michael Bolton could sing this song? This is an interesting question. That's a, ooh. I think as a tribute to Smokey Robinson, he would sing this song. The ironic part of it is when the world would end is when he sings, and everything's good in the world tonight, because he's That's not holding good. back. Yeah, and it does destroy the world, yeah. even though he's saying it's everything's good. Yeah. I think that might be ironic. Yeah. So instead of me answering whether Michael Bolton could sing this song, you've already answered it. My question is, could Ed Sheeran sing a song called When Michael Bolton Sings? <laughs> and carry on the tradition. That would be I, fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, Ed Sheeran is one who I I don't want to like as a singer. and I generally he's a ginger. Yeah. And I generally don't like what he does, but there's something very affable about him. Yeah. He seems like a, just like a normal bloke, yeah. if I can use the term. Yeah. You can't. It didn't work at all. But yes, he is. Next up. Where would you expect to hear this song today or any day? Oh, geez. I think I would hear this in a grocery store. Yeah, this is a grocery store song. Yeah. I have heard it at the dentist. Have you? Yeah, because my dentist plays some pretty active music. Oh, okay. I would expect proper dentist, no offense to my dentist who doesn't listen, to play something a bit slower. Yeah. Like, I think when you're getting... You want something a little calming, because I would get active yeah. the seat like in the chair while they're drilling out my teeth yeah but it's properly suited for a supermarket or if there's like a second wedding stag and doe it's gonna oh yeah it. yeah this is be great this would be a fun wedding song yeah let's talk mixtape you bring a mixtape to the table today frank yes i did as i do every single week i was gonna say have you ever not brought a mixtape this is kind of like our key thing this is the one thing that i do well on the podcast i think anyways i think you do too it's nice of you to lie to me bill so the theme of my mixtape is songs that are about other musical artists dangerously close to mine Okay, okay let's let's do this all right we will start off with Falco's Rock Me Amadeus. Okay, I did not have that. That's about <laughs> Amadeus, Mozart. Right, right. Yeah. Not the Sebastian Bach from that other band. No. <laughs> no. Different. Skid Row. Right. Yeah. Different classical singer. Yeah. Night Shift by the Commodores, which is about Marvin Gaye and Jackie Wilson. Okay. Did I steal one from you? It's all right, because I got a backup plan. Okay. My back door is going to be ringing. <laughs> Rock and Roll Heaven by the Righteous Brothers, which is about Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. Yeah, yeah. Meg White by Ray LaMontagne, which is about Meg White, the drummer from The White Stripes. Did she die? No. Okay. (laughs) But he wrote a song about it. Oh, nice. I thought. Only Love Can Break Your Heart by Neil Young, which is a song about Graham Nash and his breakup with Joni Mitchell. Oh, okay. Dear John by Taylor Swift, which is about John Mayer. And we are going to end it with Brian Wilson by the Bare Naked Ladies, which is a song about Mike Love from the Beach Boys. We just are antagonizing Mike Love. He's going to sue us for all we got. <laughs> Don't worry, your Kokomo episode's coming up soon enough. Okay, you did take one of mine, and that's okay. fair enough. 
I'm glad you did because it, it helps me zero in on these songs. So I have songs that call back to Motown. Oh, okay. And the three of them specifically reference singers from Motown without doing covers of their songs. Okay. The Motown song by Rod Stewart. That's a little bit on the nose. There, it is. But Do you remember uh, that song? Vaguely, yes. Bring over some of those old time records. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Next, Real Real Gone by Van Morrison. Okay. Is Sam Cooke on Motown? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, okay. yeah. Because he calls out Sam Cooke. It's a great song, mm-hmm. even if Van Morrison might not be a great guy. No. True Spando Ballet. Oh. They talk about Marvin. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He was a friend of mine. That's right. The last song I'm going to put in there is extra because I lost out on the Commodores, which is fair. I like that you had it. And this is a song that doesn't reference anybody from Motown, but it feels like it's a 90s song that wants to be Motown. Oh, because it almost made it on my mix. Color me bad. Oh, serious? I thought you were going to say Motown Philly. No, I saw that, but I want All for Love by Color Me Bad. Nice. And that is an early episode we've done. Yeah. I would encourage people to reach back and listen to it. And, uh, you know, they, there's some tragedies in Coloring Bad, but that song is a banger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I almost put on Motown Philly by Boys to Men. It references ABC, not this ABC, oh. but another bad creation and BBD, Bill Biv DeVoe. Oh, that's good too. Okay. Wow, we have such a good mixtape. We have such good mixtapes. I would love to see people like it on Spotify. Yeah. But I'm not expecting it or asking for it. Or begging for it. No, not at all. No, that's not our style. When Just full disclosure, there's certain rules that we have here at Bill and Frank's Guild Free Pleasures. Before we begin an episode, if we want to curse the episode, we always say, I think this is going to be a short episode, meaning that we already have it all together. And then we spend about eight hours talking. And then Frank has to do the first cut, so it's a nightmare. And right now, I don't know, I feel I've aged already a year talking about this incredible song. No, absolutely. We have spent a lot of time on an amazing song, and it's been a lot of fun to talk about this for as long as we have. And I understand that this is making more work for me, but I think after talking about the song, the band ABC, that everything's good in the world tonight. tonight. I'm Bill and Frank's Guilt for Your Pleasures.